Hey everybody, I'm Lacey J, host of the Spry Space podcast. For the next few months, you're in for a treat. We've rounded up the best episodes of the podcast and we're replaying them here. We hope you enjoy. Have a good listen. Hey, you've made it to SpriceBase, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the SpriceBase podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SpriceBase podcast. I'm Lacey J, and this month we're focused on educators using social media for good. This episode, I'm joined by an amazing woman, Miss Karina Devi. Did I pronounce Devi right? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Karina is head of mindfulness at Mindful Mamas. She's a yoga, meditation, and mindfulness teacher, also the host of the Higher Self podcast. And personally, I'm just very honored to have Karina here with us today as I've been following her on social media for a long time, and this is the first time that we've actually gotten to speak together. So Karina, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm so good. I'm, it's funny, I was on a vocal rest for a couple of days because I do like voice work for the Mindful Mamas app and we had a, a retreat last week and we had, we did so much talking mm -hmm. the entire time, like planning and ideating and we're all just really good friends. So it was, you know, a chance to connect to that um, I realized on the plane as I was coming home that um, I had completely lost my voice and I'm about no. to record a bunch of new content. So I haven't spoken to pretty much anyone in the last two days. So there's something that feels a little weird about <laughs> talking right now. <laughs> so I get you on like day one after your, your vocal rest. I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So if I, if I start sounding like a 13 year old boy with my voice cracking, <laughs> I'm just a little rusty. <laughs> Okay, well, before we get into the meat of it, I like to always start with uh, this question. So we're focused on social media for good, right? And what what good is social media if it can't bring a little joy into our life? So can you think of throughout the last week or so, a one piece of content that you saw on social media that brought you joy? Oh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if your listeners are on TikTok, but I am a huge TikTok fan. And I I was really skeptical of it at first and I would hear about it and <clears throat> going on it, I, I think at the beginning I was just very confused. Like, is it just people dancing? Is it just recipe <laughs> videos? And then I learned, you know, you just, you just start liking things <laughs> and favoriting things. And now it's just like a guaranteed laugh every time. And my For You page is um, some combination of like, exploring gender identity and really good recipes and uh, <laughs> medical intuitives. And like, it's just this mishmash of all these things that I, I like to, to take in. And um, so there's, there's a lot of comedy that comes up and that always brings joy. But I, I found this medical intuitive just this morning and she is giving people with chronic conditions um, readings over TikTok, which I just think is such a fascinating use of um, of social media. You know, if if you have a chronic illness, you are often very hesitant to try new things, especially things that are considered to be sort of, you know, not in the mainstream. Um, and so I, I myself have considered going to a medical intuitive for migraines and to find this woman who is you know, giving giving these readings um, to people who are just at a loss. They've been struggling for years, maybe decades of their life, um, and are getting 
answers that resonate with them and seeing the impact that that has is just so incredible. And I feel like it's one of those things that kind of clicked in my brain is like, <laughs> you know, you see something new happening on the internet that you've never seen before. And it just sort of opens up this world of possibilities of where we could go. So that was really cool. Do you ever get yourself in trouble on TikTok because it opens with volume on, you know, like you're watching it somewhere and all of a sudden it opens up and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I watch with headphones on a lot. And mm. so sometimes I just, I mean, you would think I just like saw the girl from the grudge walk across my living room. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Mindful Mamas for a minute. So um, I've had this app for a while and use it pretty consistently throughout my week as a way to um, bring myself back to the moment, as you might say. I saw, I heard you talk about that in, in one of your podcasts. It's just consistently bringing ourselves back to the moment. So why don't you just give me a little bit of a brief overview of what Mindful Mamas is and um, what kind of role you play with it? Sure. So Mindful Mamas is a maternal wellness company, and it was started by Tara LaRock, um, dear friend of mine. And we didn't know each other at the time, but she had just had a baby. She was a family child and school psychologist. And then once her baby was born, she really, really suffered with postpartum depression and OCD. And she felt like she didn't know how to help herself and felt so much shame in, you know, I'm the psychologist. I should have the tools for this. I, of all people, should know how to help myself with this. And I feel lost and I feel buried in shame and struggle. And so she knew that if she was struggling, there was probably a lot of other moms who were too. And she started to just share about it on social media and grew a huge Instagram following, really big uh, blog. And it turned out that, you know, she certainly was not the only one. And so she, uh, knew from her her practice with kids working in Denver public schools that mindfulness was really the tool it or the kind of body of tools that helped kids the most. It was the thing that they didn't need any background information on. They didn't need their parents buy-in. They could just do it in the moment, in the middle of class without anybody knowing. And it had a massive impact on their sense of well-being, on their behavior, on all sorts of things. And so she started using mindfulness for herself and began to kind of climb her way out of the, the dark hole that she was in in the postpartum time. And so she started sharing that with others, like, whoa, mindfulness can really have a huge impact on mental health. And I knew that, but now I really know it. and <laughs> I'm learning it more every day. And so she brought me on to um, voice some meditations for her. And at the time I was doing voice acting for Down Dog, the yoga app, uh, and a couple of other places. And I was, I was teaching at Eastern Oregon University. Um, and we met and we talked about our stories and it turned out that they were nearly identical. We wow. had our babies six months apart, very similar temperaments in our babies, <laughs> definitely high needs and spirited. Uh, we both struggled with postpartum depression and used mindfulness as a way to help ourselves find our way out. Um, and so we just felt like you know, we had gone through this experience of it was so hard to take what we knew about meditation and mindfulness and what we read in books and apply it to life as a mom, because you don't have an hour to meditate. You don't have even 20 minutes to of quiet space for yourself. And so how do you get the benefits of these practices 
in very busy mom life. Um, and so we started teaching it and we started finding these ways where moms who, um, you know, whether they had just had a baby two weeks ago or they had kids going off to college could reap the benefits of mindfulness, not only for their mental health, but just to be able to really enjoy motherhood because I think so many of us get into it, not just moms, but all parents. We we're sold this idea that it's going to be the most joyful experience of our lives. And then we get into it and reality sets in and yes, there's joy and it's so freaking hard every and day. So, and it's, yeah, it's so overwhelming. And um, I have found that with a few kind of like drops of mindfulness or sips of mindfulness throughout the day, I'm able to come back to the moment and really savor what's here. I start to really enjoy my child even more than I had before. And so the Mindful Mamas app is a way for moms to get those sips of self-care throughout the day in a way that really makes a difference. You know, self-care has become such a muddied term. And I think we're all just like tired of hearing it and talking about it. And I think part of the reason that is, is that it's it's sort of elusive. Like we don't know exactly what it means or what it means for us or how to do it. Um, and so Mindful Mamas gives moms a place where it's right in their back pocket. They can click one button and they are being guided through an experience that helps them release emotion, process emotion, come back to the moment, remember the kind of parent they really want to be and start to feel more proud of the way that they show up for themselves, for their kids, um, and, and also to, to feed their relationships and their identity outside of motherhood. And um, it's kind of like, how do we make healthy, happy moms? I think the Mindful Mamas app is a really good start. I love the way you talked about sips and drips of mindfulness. You know, what I, what I thought of uh, in that is it really doesn't take that much time to kind of anchor in, even for just a moment, right? To anchor into this place of grounding and centering and, and the payoff that comes from choosing to take that time to anchor or ground into that mindful centering, it pays off for so long. I don't understand how, I don't even understand how it works. You know, how, how is it that we can spend 85% of our waking hours flitting about trying to finish task after task, uh, but just a few moments coming deep and centered yields this huge benefit. Why is mindfulness so beneficial for us uh, as people living in today's society, do you think? I wish that I could answer that in a short amount of time. <laughs> Tell me the secrets to everything. <laughs> I wish, I, I will say uh, a couple of things that I think are most valuable for the way that we live at this time, at least in Western culture. Part of it is that we're, we live so much in the mind. You know, we wake up and a lot of us open our phones. And so we're receiving this outside information. We're processing a ton of information that our nervous systems are really not designed for. If you think about human evolution, we haven't evolved much since our hunter-gatherer days. That sensory input that we experienced in that time we are perfectly wired for to feel the dirt beneath your feet, to hear the sound of a rushing river near you, to feel the breeze on your skin and uh, looking up and seeing clouds passing in the sky. That is so gentle and slow and grounded. 
And that's not to say that we can't handle more stimulation than that. But if you think that, or if you think about that as our foundational expectation of our biology, and then the life that we live, that's like traffic and cities and conversations and meetings and kids. And, you know, it's like overwhelming to even try and list some of it. I think that mindfulness and meditation are actually natural ways of being that we have lost in modern times. So I think that's one of the reasons that it can be so rejuvenating and grounding. And um, it's, it's such a complete shift of your internal state to go from what is normalized, right? Which tends to be fast and external. And there's this pressure on being productive and uh, more extroverted and all of these things. And to come back and really revel in peaceful pleasure of the moment, um, it's kind of radical. <laughs> and I think that it sends the signal to our animal bodies, to our nervous systems, that we are safe, that all of those things we're worried about or that we're afraid of missing the deadline for, or that we're afraid we're not gonna perform well for, are not here right now. And we can let those things go. All the things we've been ruminating about that happened yesterday or in fourth grade, or you know, all those things that pop into our minds at night or in quiet moments, they have an opportunity to just be set down. And how, how many times in our day do we give ourselves permission to set them down? It's, I think that's part of why it is so profound and so valuable. Um, and it's so simple too. <laughs> and you start practicing it and you're like, wow, that 20 seconds of looking at the trees out my window and just kind of letting my mind wander and noticing my breath is continuing to bring me joy and peace and pleasure. And it's like, you know, six hours later and I'm still remembering how much I enjoyed that moment. So it's, it's really... I hate to say profound so much because it's <laughs> a little, you know, but it, it is, I, I think it's, it's one of the medicines of our time. I think so too. You know, I've been working in the field of, of social media and internet technology for, you know, about 12 years or so now. And on my own social media, the content that I have had going the longest and that I get the most feedback on are these little Instagram stories that I do that I call micro meditations. And it is literally just one breath, one inhale and one exhale with my eyes looking to the camera. And that piece of content over the last few years has brought me the most positive feedback of people just messaging me and saying, never stop doing this. Sometimes this is the only uh, focused breath that I take each day. And, and it's so silly, <laughs> isn't it? Because it's just a single breath and we're all breathing all the time, but it's about bringing it into the presence of the moment that you're in that yields that power that you talked about keeps delivering and delivering six hours later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I get that with, um, nature stories. Like I, you know, try and spend a little time in nature most every day and, I like to just film like a minute of video for stories that is just like the river rushing. Like it's not anything crazy. It's not guiding people through anything. It's just, hey, here's this river, enjoy this moment. And those are some of the stories I get the most responses on of people saying similar things like, oh my God, I need this and thank you. And I think it just, um, it really highlights the disconnect from what we need and where we thrive and how we're actually living in the environments we're in. 
Um, I think it's beautiful that social media can deliver that at least in little doses. The simplicity, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about social media for a minute. Tell me about what role social media plays for you in your business, in your life? How, how are you in social media? What role does it play for you? I feel like I have 10 different <laughs> hats within the social media world that I kind of move between. One is the, oh my God, I can't stand social media. I'm deleting my Instagram tomorrow. <laughs> Goodbye, Facebook. I hate this. I'm going to go live in the woods. <laughs> that's and that's then, my favorite escape plan. Yeah. I'll just go live in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and then the one that I live in for my personal social media and then for Mindful Mama social media is a little bit different. So with my personal one, it's more of like, I'm here when I feel inspired to be here, when I have the energy to be here. And when I'm not, I'm just living my life and I don't push myself to post anything. I definitely have thoughts like, oh, I haven't posted anything in six weeks. I really should. And then I take a moment to listen to that voice and really investigate it. Like, hmm, where is that coming from? And don't I serve better when I show up inspired, when there's a real intention behind it, not trying to create something? Um, and then with Mindful Mamas, it's a little bit different. It's like, oh, I do want to show up on a, a certain time frame, which is, you know, once a week at least. Um, and then it's different because it like kind of creates this container of what can come through me this week. What, what could I share? If I only shared one thing, what's the thing I could share that I think would have the most benefit or help the most people? And with Mindful Mamas, it's really interesting because the posts that do the best, like by a landslide, are the ones that simply say things like, you are good enough, mama. You are a wonderful mom. You have permission to rest. Like just those simple reminders of their own humanity and worth are the things that really drive, that people really respond to, which is so interesting. So um, yeah, I go through phases where I'm, I love social media and I'm really excited to be on it. And I just feel like it's this stream of this creative stream flowing through me and out to the world. And I love it. And I love talking to people. And then I'm, I go into introvert mode. I'm, I am a like hard <laughs> introvert. Um, and I'm just like, oh God, I posted that thing yesterday and people are commenting and now I feel like I have to respond and I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I, I think overall, I give myself permission to be however I am with social media because the times when I've tried to ignore that or go beyond it, I get myself into trouble. I, I put out content that I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's not me. That was so forced. That feels so gross and inauthentic. Um, or I just burn out. So yeah, be, being, meeting myself where I am, I think is my overall approach. I love the theme of simplicity that's coming already from, from the conversation here. The idea that the things that that are the most simple and human or the things that speak the most to people, you know, it doesn't take this, you know, we're, we're always really focused on strategy at Spry. And we're always thinking about asking why a thousand times before we feel like we have a solid strategy to move forward with. And it's funny because it does, as you ask why things, um, your restraint has to come in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, things get cut off and cut off and cut off and cut off down to the basic things that are actually relevant to people. And, and they usually are much more simple than you could imagine. You know, you could put up 
you could put up eight posts with stats about how mindfulness helps you feel better. And you probably have those eight posts up with stats. <laughs> but like you said, the ones that end up really resonating and really being successful are the, the, sim the simple ones, the simplicity that speaks to, to what everyone knows as true, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's part of the uh, the oversaturation that we get with social media. We see so much of the same thing and it's interesting because everyone's trying to follow these trends and they're trying to do, you know, like the right strategy for the time. It's always changing. What does the algorithm want? And so you end up seeing all this stuff that's very similar. And I think with Instagram in particular, we've gotten this oversaturation of influencers where everything looks very polished and it, it uh, you know, usually appeals to a very wide audience. And I think it's similar with, with music and with the film industry. We, we have this um, kind of polished glitz for a while. And at first it's like, oh, wow, I love these pictures and this is so shiny. So and inspired. After while, yeah. <laughs> and after a while, we start to realize what's missing and it feels so empty and we crave the authenticity and the realness that's missing. And I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting about TikTok is I feel like it is all the authenticity. If you are an Instagram influencer and you're doing things like the Instagram influencer way and you go to TikTok, you are most likely not going to be successful. Um, people really want to see you in your truth and they want the honest, um, the honest opinions and thoughts. And I, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so glad we're making that shift. And I, I hope to see it across more platforms because I think it's really important. You know, I think that um, there's been so much harm done on social media with, with showing the highlight reel and the super polished pictures. And especially in the mom community, you see like it's 7 a.m. and I have a full face of makeup and my hair's done and all of my kids have had their superfood smoothies. And, you know, most moms are like, I'm just trying to get a sip of coffee. <laughs> and I think that comparison can be so harmful. So starting to see more of how people are actually living and what they're thinking and feeling, that is some of the magic of social media that I think can really unify and connect us. Sometimes I wish I had like some hidden cameras in my house so that I could get some B-roll footage of like real momming. Yes. <laughs> you know, like this morning at 4.30 in the morning, I like woke up on my seven-year-old son's floor. I don't know how I got there. <laughs> like, you know, I went to sleep in my bed. At 4.30 in the morning, I was on his floor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I, will, I want that B-roll to be able to share, yeah. but I guess Absolutely. I guess it'll stay for me. Um. <laughs> So your plethora of content that you really educate on revolves around uh, meditation, yoga, mindfulness, anxiety. Um, so I kind of want to shift us into talking a little bit about your podcast. So um, I have loved listening to your podcast this year. Your first episode came out in January. Mm -hmm. And I also have loved the way that you've shown up with it exactly like you said you show up with social media is when you feel inspired and doing it in a way that doesn't um I think of it like a like a wire um when you clamp down on a wire and put pressure on a wire it the energy can't flow through it properly it happened recently I had a my internet went out because somehow my uh, internet cable was just sitting on the ground in somebody's backyard. It's not buried like it was supposed to be. And they had set something down and all of a sudden I had no internet for three mm -hmm. days, you know? 
So the way that you've chosen to kind of show up with your content in that way, without it being quite as regimented, but in a way that allows you to flow through naturally, I have loved. Um, and I'll say one of the funnest things that I've found about listening to your podcast is, and I'm not sure any other podcast host has done this to me. I will listen um, with my wireless headphones while I'm, you know, doing chores or something. And the other day when I was listening to one of your podcasts, I was doing dishes and, and you said something and you said, you know what I mean? And I, I responded out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, yeah, <laughs> like as if we were actually having a conversation. <laughs> um, oh, and I, I think, that. I think that goes to show how authentic and, um, and just how much you've been honoring showing up that way when it feels inspired, because when you're, when people are not that way, you can kind of see the pace go through in a way that is much more presentation style, which is fine and has its place too. But I just want to honor the fact that what you're doing is feeling like real conversation that I'm having and vocally <laughs> saying out loud to the nothingness <laughs> on the other side of my kitchen sink. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. I, I really appreciate that because those are the types of podcasts that I really love. Like, yes, polished and, and, you know, manicured has its place. Absolutely. And I feel so drained when I listen to something that it's like, it's got the super, um, uh, produced intro and it's, you know, it sounds like something you would hear on the radio. And, um, I, maybe I just have a little bit of an aversion to that personally. And I really want the, the, um, the podcasts and the teachers and the YouTube videos, like the content that's just like, oh, they just turn on their camera in their kitchen while they had a thought in the middle of doing dishes and just decided they wanted to share. Um, and that's kind of how my creativity works too. It comes in random moments and I try, if I can, to just drop everything and do it right then without forcing myself. Like I, I had this idea when the podcast started, um, I, I don't want this to be another job because it's so easy for me to say yes to all of these creative pursuits and then overwhelm myself with them. Um, and so I, I just really wanted a freedom within it. And it didn't matter. I, I didn't want to put any constraints on myself regarding the topics I talked about, how long it, each episode was, um, if it sounded polished or not, any of that. I just wanted freedom of creativity to just do whatever. And part of it was sort of a, a pushback against feeling like I had to really edit myself a lot in public spaces. There's such a drive for uh, short and concise, um, like Instagram stories, you only get four of them or TikToks now are up to three minutes, but I feel like more of a long form speaker and person and storyteller. And I would have these companies come to me saying like, hey, we'd love for you to create some content for us, like some meditations or, uh, you know, different things. And I'd be like, great. And then they tell me the specifics and they're like, okay, so we want two minute meditations. And I would just straight up tell them, I'm, I can't do that. <laughs> like, yes, you can have a meditative experience in two minutes, but if I'm going to guide someone through, like there, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's an unfurling process. And I, I can't do that in two minutes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not your girl. <laughs> what? You can't unfurl in 30 seconds. Come on. <laughs> Let me help you release all of the stress of your day, shake it off, get into your body, connect with your breath, become present. Oh, and we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's your meditation. 
look yeah. at a tree for 30 seconds. You're done. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was my like, I just want a place where I can just turn on my microphone and just let myself channel and speak and go in all of these directions and, and not feel like the, the clock is chasing after me. And so it, that was really the motivation uh, or, or one of the motivations. And it's been so beautiful to have that. Cause honestly, I forget I have a podcast sometimes. And then I have times where I have so much to say and there's so much coming through me and it feels like, like something that can really be of service to someone. Um, and I'll record like five podcasts in two days. And then I don't release them for a while because I don't want to edit them. <laughs> but having that freedom is so, it's healing, you know, to, to go from, oh, I have these deadlines and this production schedule and all of these things to, oh, I can do whatever I want is, is game changing as a creator. So I'll keep listening and, and looking for those five episodes. I'll poke you if it doesn't come out in the next few weeks. Like, hey, is it time to edit your next episode? <laughs> now that I know you've got some in the in the hopper waiting oh, to be yeah. edited. Yeah. <laughs> um, I heard you talk about uh, a course that you used to teach and that you're kind of working on. And I don't know if it's out now or not about Alchemize Your Anxiety. Can you tell me a little bit about the course, what, what it's in and how it can benefit people? Sure. So it's not out yet, but this is something that I used to teach at the university. Um, and it really came from my own experiences with anxiety. I, when I moved to LA when I was 19, I, I didn't know that I was an empath. I didn't know that I was a sensitive person. I just felt completely overwhelmed uh, in public spaces, I started to feel agoraphobic, like I wouldn't leave my house for like a week at a time. And when I did, I would have panic attacks just trying to get out the door. And I was in this place where I, I knew that I had all these tools. I've been practicing yoga and meditation since I was a kid. My parents introduced me to it, but I didn't know how to really like milk the juice. <laughs> Sounds like kind of a gross metaphor. I didn't know how to like reap the fruit of those practices for what I was experiencing. And so I just started to experiment because I didn't really have anywhere else to go except my little tiny apartment. And so I just started trying things on and trying to understand the energy of anxiety. And as an empath, how was it different for me than it might be for someone else? And um, just exploring all of these facets. I'm very much an investigator and I like to understand things from all sides, inside and out. And so I just started creating tools for myself and completely healed my anxiety. And then I started to teach it to other people. And of course, when you teach something that you've learned from your own experience to others, you come up against all of these points where you're like, oh, that doesn't work for you. Okay, I need to find out what does. And so I created this, this really robust toolkit of things that people with anxiety can do to prevent anxiety, to deal with it in the moment, to be able to release all of the kind of electric energy they're feeling, ground themselves, um, to be able to avoid a panic attack or help themselves through one, and to relate to anxiety not as something that is wrong with them or that's wrong with their body or their mind, but as important information that's coming through them and to them um, that they can actually use as a, a really kind of inconvenient compass in their life. <laughs> I found that uh, listening to what anxiety has to say has 
it's removed all the toxicity from my life, the people, the jobs, the relationships that were not working for me. It's forced me to completely prioritize self-care and it really set me on the path to discovering who I was. And so I think that any challenge we experience in life can can be our path, even if it seems like, even if it's grief, even if it is devastation or loss of everything we care about, there are so many, there's so many ways to take that experience and embrace it and grow and learn and to become more wise. And so um, that's a very long-winded way of saying, as is my specialty, um, Alchemize Your Anxiety is a course I taught at Eastern Oregon University. It's also something that I've taught a little bit with Mindful Mamas, um, and it will be expanded in time, both for, for the Mindful Mamas community and also for my own, um, but it's, it's a way for people who identify as highly sensitive or empaths or um, they just want tools beyond what's offered to them because usually what we experience when you you know are looking for help with anxiety is okay I can take medication and I can go to therapy and that's usually it and for me neither of those things were really it I wanted more I wanted to get to the root um, and so it's it's a way to kind of take your power back from systems that may not have all the answers um, and also to journey on a path of self-awakening um, from an unexpected place. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. It does. I, I love the idea of anxiety, first of all, being data, right? Mm-hmm. I have a close friend who um, we're kind of on similar paths and she's one of my best reflection friends, you know? And so we'll send each other a message about something and the other person will just send back a note that says data, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is what's happening to me and this is how I feel about it. And the other person just says data, you know? And I love the concept of that data being this inconvenient compass. <laughs> it's so <laughs> true. It's so true. Oh, I just love it. I feel like I could say that all the time now. Oh, well, that's an inconvenient compass. <laughs> exactly. I, and I feel like my life is has been so many of those things. Divorce, postpartum depression, mental health challenges, all of these things where in the moment I just felt like I was suffering. And I, you know, maybe asked myself, why is this happening to me? And now looking back, I'm able to say those were some of the most important things I've ever experienced. And I'm so grateful for those times. I'm so grateful for the meaning that I made out of those experiences because they have empowered me to be uh, a version of myself that I am deeply proud of and that feels like my true self. I feel like I'm living in the world as my true self and I didn't feel that way before I had those challenges. All it takes is looking at trees for a while and listening to inconvenient <laughs> data. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, so At Spry, we kind of have this vision of the concept of social media for good, where uh, social media could be this place where people come to feel connected, to learn, to laugh, and and that that's really what it is. And so we're really pushing hard to kind of get people into the mindset of it's easy to to think about and look and see what's wrong with social media, Um, but it's it's just as easy to really lean into the good that's available now in social media and what it could be if we continue to lean into that direction. So, you know, do you have a vision of that too? Can you see social media being a place where we come together to connect and learn and laugh? And and if so, 
what what can we all be doing to lean more into social media for good? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that this is really where it's going. Um, I have done this for myself by I, I have unfollowed every single person that I've ever um, felt like I couldn't measure up to, you know, like like the very polished influencers who have fed their kids superfood smoothies at 7 a.m. Um, the, the ones where I realized, like, actually, I'm not getting any benefit from following this person. I just am feeling like I have to attain some standard that actually doesn't fit my life. Um, so I only follow people that truly inspire me. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think I was following about 800 people on Instagram and I unfollowed almost everyone. And now I'm following about 300 um, because I, I, want, I want it to be a space that I go and I feel inspired and I learn and I, um, I'm exposing myself to conversations and ideas and ways of living that are really exciting and different and new, not just the same old regurgitation. Like I'm a trauma educator, but I unfollowed every trauma account I followed because I realized that it was re-traumatizing me <laughs> in the process to always have that in my face. Um, so I think really curating our feeds, um, and it's not that you can't look at other people's feeds or, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's about creating an echo chamber. Um, I think it's just about being mindful with it. You know, if, if I go onto an account and I start feeling really bad about myself, all of a sudden it's like, okay, is that them? Is it me? What is it that's happening that is creating that feeling? Um, so I, I think that's important. Um, I also think that we can really revolutionize the way that social media is used by the way that we personally use it. Like, I think we tend to wait for someone else to create the thing that we're longing for. Um, <clears throat> and what I found is that I, even though I don't like being the one that's like gathering the people and figuring out the schedules and you know, doing the logistics, I've often found myself in a place uh, like living in a small town where there's not a lot of yoga or meditation or ecstatic dance or the things that I like to enjoy. If I want it, I have to create it. And so I, I think that there's also this, um, this magnetism that happens when we decide we want something and we start to take action toward it. Like I want more um, accounts on social media that are purely about service and love and letting people know that they're not alone, they matter. Um, I love them, even if no one in their life says that, I, I care about them. Um, I want that to happen. So I'm going to start doing that on my platform. I guess it's kind of like a be the change you wish to see in the world <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but I, I think about, um, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but something that I heard Kimberly Johnson, who's one of my teachers talk about is one of the best ways we could serve moms is creating some sort of app that's like an Uber service connecting moms with caregivers, someone to come over and massage her feet or make her a meal or wash her dishes or hold her baby so she can shower. I think that the, the potential of social media is so great. And right now it's all run by these mega corporations and they have their own agenda and they have their own way of doing things. And it's, it has never been more accessible for us to create our own platforms. Um, and I'm seeing it now with, um, Oh, what's it called? 
I, I forget the name of it, but there's all these different ways you can make your own app really simply in like an hour. Um, and you can make your own community space. And I, I just think that if, if you want it, you should find out who else wants it. And if you really want it, you should make it because that's, that's part of the beauty of the internet is that we have so much creative freedom. Um, I think about, uh, I forget who was saying it. I think it was Terrence McKenna. And he was talking about how when he and his like psychedelic experimenter friends were watching the rise of the internet, they saw it as having the potential to create real unity consciousness and to be able to um, just massively revolutionize the way that we live and relate to each other. And I think that that's still possible. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's the way that we ourselves use social media. I think it's recognizing the power we have to create spaces, to call in others, um, and to to use it mindfully, to not let ourselves get into those tailspins of like, oh my God, everyone is so much better than me or so much more put together than me because that's what social media is telling me. I think it's important that we do a little more digging and find the humanity in all of it. It's, it's interesting. I see a lot of females internalizing, like you're talking about, you know, this is what's wrong with me. This is what's wrong with, you know, I, I'm not as good as this person. I don't have this happening for me. Um, I see in a lot of male perspectives, they, they take the data about what's wrong with the world. Like, okay, look at all this that's happening in the world. Look at all these headlines that are coming out. Look at all these. Um, so it's almost like there's a little, and maybe I'm wrong. I can't speak for all men, but, but you know, I think that men and women are having very different experiences in regard to what they're taking away from their time on social media. Um, I think one of the most powerful things that you hit on is the concept that everyone can be a creator, you know, um, rewind 30 years when, when we were tiny children and, you know, you could watch X number of channels on cable TV. Um, now the number of channels that we have access to is immense. And so the amount of data that we can get from different perspectives is immense. And that's the part that I think is the most revolutionary is being able to see this more whole picture of the world and what's happening, but it's only true if people show up authentically. Right. Yeah. Um, so interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens as people continue to lean in towards this and, I really think too that social media really is just a reflection of existence. Mm -hmm. um, and so the more I feel like as I focus in on social media for good, what I'm really doing is focusing on people for good, right? Yeah. If, if, if we can train ourselves to behave a certain way on a social media platform, what we're really doing is training ourselves how to behave in life in a way that is beneficial to ourselves and to others. Um, and it's just beautiful. I hope it just continues to unfurl that way. It might take more than 30 seconds, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm really excited about where it can go and where I'm starting to see it going like that. You know, what you touched on about being able to collect all of these different data points. I, that has been one of the most beneficial things for me is having a place, not just in social media, but in the internet in general, where I mean, you can just go into a rabbit hole anytime you want, pick a topic and dive in. And, you know, it's, it's so deeply impacted me as a mother in the choices that I made 
um, in, in like the types of relationships that I'm even aware of exist. Like, I feel like so much of my life is made possible because of what I saw modeled in places online that I may not have seen in real life. So being able to have all of those examples of like, wow, you can live that way. You can talk that way. You can relate to people that way. Oh, I like this. I'm going to oh, learn more about this. The way I see the world is not the only way that the world is. Right? I feel like, boom, that was like my awakening as I'm getting wow. in my early twenties. Um, so funny. Yeah. Well, we went from like kids with like the Britannica encyclopedia downloaded on our, you know, Microsoft. Oh yeah. 95. Put the disc, put the disc in and Carta encyclopedia. Yep. <laughs> if Britannica doesn't have it, go to the library, ask the librarian. Like it's the, what we have access to is incredible. And it is up to each of us to decide what do we want to do with these empty slots that we have on each platform it's a space for us to fill. Let's do it intentionally because we can create something really beautiful. I love it. Amen. <laughs> so uh, last question, if you had to, if you had to grade yourself on your own relationship with social media, I'll give you some structure, zero to 10, zero, you're doing horrible and you know, you need to figure something out. 10, you're doing perfect. There's nothing you can improve. How's your relationship with social media? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the number that comes to mind immediately is seven. <laughs> I think it's 10 in action. Like I'm really good with my boundaries in action, but I think the seven is for all of the mental stuff that's between, you know, like all of the shoulds that I place on myself, the pressure I place on myself and the action. So I'm going to say a seven, uh, steadily rising toward a 10. <laughs> Perfect. Um, my friend who works here at Spry, Rachel, who is also an introvert, she sent me a reel this morning that said, like, when you're an introvert and an entrepreneur and it, like, you send out a piece of content and then you go, I'm scared. Why? People. Huh? <laughs> People. People are here. I have to talk to them. <laughs> Well, Karina, this was a wonderful joy. I'm so happy that we got to have some time together. Oh, thank um, you. I will be excited to see uh, when your Alchemize Your Anxiety course comes out. We'll be happy to you know, send that out to some of the people following us who would really appreciate it. Well, thank um, you. As we publish this out, we'll have links to Mindful Mamas and to Karina's Instagram as well. So you can check her out there. Um, I've been following her for a few years now. And so you'll, you'll get nothing but joy, but inconsistently, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it just be like a surprise when I show up on it is. Oh, oh, there's something here. Oh, wait, and we gotta go look. I'm just kind of floating in the wind. So yes, Karina's inspired today. Let's go see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Karina, everybody listening. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day, your night, your evening, whatever it is. Uh, we hope you're using social media for good and that you always keep learning. Talk to you soon. Bye. This Spry Space podcast is brought to you by Spry Social Media Marketing, Digital Marketing Agility, edited by Chad Hinman and executive produced by Lazy Fought.